Hello and welcome to North Roots Podcast. I'm your host Joe, and today we're going to cover everything Pothos. Let's get into it. Pothos is a classic and simple houseplant, definitely one of my favorites, for its simple care and lovely aesthetic. I have several pots in my collection. Some of them are hanging, some of them are climbing, and some that I keep cut short and bushy. Pothos are often one of the first additions to houseplant collections, and for good reason with a wide variety of colors, ease of care, and being so commonly available. Here's a quote from the Costa Farms website. Pothos require no special care indoors. It tolerates low light, but grows well in medium and high light spots as well, low humidity, and the occasional mist watering. Pothos also functions as a living air purifier, making it ideal for home and office settings. It is one of the best houseplants for any room of your home. Pothos have become well-known for their availability and ease of care, becoming a popular houseplant and office desk plant as they thrive under artificial light. Once plants became more popular for platforms like Instagram and Facebook, Pothos became even more sought after. Their elegant vining nature made for fantastic photo opportunities. Another reason for its popularity, it seems to have made its way into a traditional gift for families to hand down as well as giving neighbors and friends, parents giving them to their children as housewarming gifts or other celebratory times. On top of the traditional gifting aspect, these simplistic yet beautiful plants have made their way into grocery store and convenience stores all over the world. They have become so popular to the world that we can find them in many department stores as gifts or advertising tricks. In order for these plants to not only keep their popularity and status, but to become even more popular, we have cultivated new varieties with intricate variegations. There are currently 10 total varieties that are accepted in the Pothos genus, which we'll get into later. But these include Jade, Golden, High Low or Hawaiian, Marble Queen, Pearls and Jade, Glacier, Jacenia, Neon, Manjula, Shangri-La, and the decade-old debate of Cebu Blue. But why is there a decades-old debate? Well, we're about to get into that, but fair warning, the history gets a little bit tense. So what could possibly be tense about the history of a houseplant? Well, the fact that this debate has been going on for 230-some years, starting back in 1789. So before I begin the very complex and confusing history and uh, the fights that go back and forth on the classifications. Uh, I'm going to go over what the current classification is, what is widely accepted today, and how it's been since basically the mid-1960s. So we all agree uh, there isn't really a debate on the fact that the family of Pothos is an aeroid. When it does flower, which again is really rare, um, it flowers with a spadex, so think of like a peace lily or an anthurium. Um, they have that center flower, that cone, and then there's the back piece called a spath that uh, kind of protects it. Um, so that's that spadex is really what makes an aeroid. So that's widely accepted. We all nobody's really arguing that fact. That fact. Um, but once it gets down to genus and species, the epipernum and the aerium, that's where um, it kind of Kind of gets a little bit tense, but starting back in 1789, uh, the French botanist Antoine Laurent de Jessou classified 
all of the Vining Aeroids as Potho. So it didn't matter what it was, he, he classified them all as Potho. In 1880, so a little over 100 years later, Lyndon Andre corrected him and classified what we're talking about now, Pothos, uh, classified the plant in question as Pothos arium. So he has the species correct, but he's using the genus as just Pothos, which, I mean, really doesn't give us much. Um, only to be corrected 19 years following that by Jean Nodded, who classified in the current genus a Pepernum, but then he changes the species to Marins. In 1908, Adolf Engler once again changed it, but this time he changed the genus to Scindapsis and kept the species Arum. He did so because he had the opportunity to study flower at a botanical garden in Germany. Again, really rare, great opportunity because these seriously do not flower. They've only flowered a handful of times in the last 250 years that uh, have been officially recorded. So Adolf Engler's uh, claim was widely accepted for give or take 50 years um, until about 1962 rolls around and Monroe Birdsey has the opportunity to inspect two flowers and realizing that they are not Scandapsis, but in fact a peppernum. In 1964, so only two years after that, George Bunting codified or defined as uh, arranging in a system um, so officially classifying the findings, um, the findings of Bursey, that is, with the Missouri Botanical Gardens. So now we have the official uh, classification of pothos, a pepernum arium. It has been codified, um, so it has been officially entered, and that is the last time that this was really truly put into um, writing or classification other than a brief check over in 2004, which we'll get into a little bit later. Now we've gone through the history, you have a decent understanding of where we stand today with the taxonomy. Uh, I'm gonna go through um, almost a full taxonomy, starting at order, working the way down to species. If you're not into taxonomy, uh, this may not be your section, you can just fast forward through this. Otherwise, uh, stick around. This is actually kind of interesting. Even if you don't know much about it, uh, learning about taxonomy is pretty interesting. Starting at order, I call the order water plantains. It is so much easier to say than Alice Matales, which is how I believe you pronounce that. I'm not quite sure. I've been working on that for the past like three or four days, and that's the best I can get it to. So Alice Matales, I just call them water plantains. These are flowering plants. Uh, they're known to grow in wet and marshy environments, so very, very shaded, uh, indirect light, very humid environments. Broken down, this order, the order of water plantains, contains 165 genera. It's what we call the genus or the multiple genus. 13 families and 4,500 some species, which is ridiculous. Moving down to family, which is one step down from order, Ericae. We also know these as aeroids, which we talked about earlier. Uh, these are flowering plants known and identified by their spadix. We, uh, we identify and uh, classify aeroids by their flowers, um, their spadix. 
which is a grouping of small clumps of flowers on a fleshy stem protected by a half leaf like spathe. Uh, so they're not they don't completely cover that um, that's that fleshy stem in the middle there. It's only a half leaf, um, but we call that a spathe. Uh, again, think of a peace lily or an anthurium, something like that. And th this family can be broken down to 114 genera or genus and almost 4,000 species, 3,750 to be exact. But again, that's just absolutely ridiculous. There are almost 4,000 aeroids. That is ridiculous. Thinking of my own private collection, like the plants that I have collected and um, my wish list and the plants that I'm hunting down, Everybody thinks that I have, like, so many plants. Like, I'm just an absolute plant nerd because I have so many plants. But in all reality, I mean, looking at this, like, I don't have a sliver of any of the orders. I mean, it's just, it's wild to me. I absolutely love taxonomy. Um, and then the genus is a pepernum, as we went over earlier. There's 15 Spanish, uh, species of uh, a pepernum. Uh, I'm mixing up species and genus there. Uh, so, yeah. A pepernum is the genus, and the species, as we know, is arium, which brings us to a pepernum arium is pothos. We've gotten through taxonomy. We went through the order, the family, the genus, and the species. Now let's move into the botanist. Starting with George Sidney Bunting, he's the guy that codified and overall made the name official. That was in 1964. George was born in 1927, and he passed in 2015, which is crazy to think. That's just five years ago. All of his contributions were part of our time. He wasn't that far away from us. John Linden and Edward Andre, known as Linden and Andre. John Linden was a Belgian botanist who specialized in orchids. His findings were revolutionary to the cultivation of orchids. Everything we truly know about orchids goes back to him. Edward André was a French horticulturist known for his landscape architecture and design for the nobles and the wealthy. Some of his landscape techniques and designs were absolutely wild. Jean Naudet was a very well-rounded and educated Frenchman. His titles included naval surgeon, physician, world-renowned botanist, and he specialized in medicinal plants from around the world. Monroe Roberts Birdsey is a very well-known aeroid specialist, author, and collector within the botanical community. Looking into him, his personal and private aeroid collection is one of the largest in the world. We've talked about the history, we've talked about the taxonomy, we've gone through the botanist, Let's talk about another point that I made, the rarity of flowers in domestication and the wild. Records of the arium flowers are somewhat tricky to track down. The last recorded flowering that I can find was in 1962, which makes this plant a shy flowering plant. This doesn't mean arium hasn't flowered since, but it has not been officially documented either it hasn't been witnessed that a plant was flowering, or maybe somebody was able to get one to flower, but it wasn't officially documented. Um, but I cannot find any unofficial documents or pictures. Uh, I really want to do some more digging on that, though, and see if I can find some unofficial records of flowering since 1962. Uh, from what I can tell from 
the late 1700s, it really has only flowered a handful of times since. Uh, so from late, late 1700s to 2020, it's only flowered a couple of times. However, uh, a peppernum pinnatum, or uh, a peppernum pinnatum cebu blue, as a lot of people know it in the hobby, uh, it's known to flower vigorously in the wild, and it's a little bit of a challenge to do so in captivity, but it can be done. However, just because this plant doesn't flower doesn't mean it doesn't grow uncontrollably in the wild. One of the common names of a peppernum is Devil's Ivy, and that's kind of become a pretty common name. A lot of people use that. What we don't realize is the history behind that name and how it got that name. As I mentioned in the beginning, Pothos is well known for its propagation abilities. It will break off in the wild and it will just immediately begin propagation. Quite easy to propagate in cultivation as well. Because of that, Pothos has become a vigorous and difficult to control invasive species all over tropical regions. Introduced to Florida and Hawaii, it became a major horticultural nightmare to the FDA. It got its nickname Devil's Ivy, again, after almost completely covering Sri Lanka and outgrowing the attempts to thwart it and keep it under control. That is where Devil's Ivy comes from. It almost completely covered Sri Lanka. The speed of propagation and spread was so great that it literally grew faster than it could be taken down. With all of that said, and knowing how quickly it propagates itself and it got its name Devil's Ivy from completely covering Sri Lanka, if you do plant it outside, make sure it's in a container and it stays in that container. Even if you are further in state or up north, just keep it in a planter knowing how well it propagates and how quickly it spreads it could easily very quickly become a problem especially for southern states tropical states florida miami it's already an issue we don't want to spread it any further than that on the topic of this plant being an issue talking about toxicity to us as humans uh, cats dogs pets all of that the ASPCA mentions its toxicity to humans, cats, dogs, and they even mention the concern for horses getting into this. Uh, most likely down in southern states um, like Florida, if horses are getting into this while it's being grown wildly as it's an invasive species there. Um, but for humans, uh, we don't want to eat it. Obviously, um, as adults, we know better to start munching down our house plants. Uh, we probably don't want to do that either way, but... Uh, toddlers, babies, we want to keep it away from them. Um, and cats and dogs, we really want to keep it away from them. That is, if they eat enough of it, it's almost guaranteed vet visit. So really want to make sure to stay away from that. The reason it's toxic, it contains calcium oxalate crystals. That's the same material kidney stones are made of. And from what I've read and researched, it feels like plexiglass on your tongue and in your cheeks. Uh, so if we were to eat it uh, as humans... Um, we would feel it on our tongue and in our cheeks before we even swallowed it. For cats and dogs, I'm assuming it's something similar, but uh, they're going to continuously eat it until it already gets into their digestive system, which really causes some issues. Uh, those little calcium oxalate crystals get into their digestive system, and there isn't much you can do. Uh, so definitely keep it away from your cats and dogs. With all of that said, 
This common and classic houseplant has a much more complex history than we realize, and it still baffles the scientific community with its ability to survive a wide range of climates and the ability to overtake native plants seemingly with ease. Not to mention, we quite literally cannot check the legitimacy of its categorization since it hasn't flowered that we know of since the early 60s. Even with its troubling and confusing past, we can still appreciate the wonders of this vining aeroid, with its incredible varieties and ability to take some abuse from us when we forget a few waterings. Overall, this plant has easily proven its place in my top 10 favorite plants, and it would take a pretty impressive plant with a history equally as troubling as this epipernum to take its place. What's your favorite Pothos variety? Have something to add or disagree with a part of this episode? Feel free to reach out to me on any of our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, or leave a comment on this episode. You can find us anywhere at North Roots Exotics. And hey, don't forget to drink water today. You're basically a complicated houseplant with emotions. Thanks for adding this podcast to your day, and we'll see you next time.